Carlo Golf Club members ready to get back to playing. Article by Kieran Murphy. On Monday, the 26th of April, golf clubs will open all over the country. It would be a tad fanciful to compare Carlo Golf Course to that of the facilities of Augusta National Golf Club, where the Masters played out to yet another exciting conclusion over the weekend. Yet, in less than two weeks' time, golfers all will play out their own version of the Masters on their home courses. It has been a long time coming. There has been much criticism of the government decision to shut golf clubs. Now the recent disclosure that only 0.1% of COVID cases has been transmitted through outdoor activities has heightened the call to open outdoor activities immediately. Mick Kerwin, captain of Carlow Golf Club, is passionate in his belief that courses throughout the country should never have been forced to close. There is no reason why it should have been closed at all. There is no justification for people not to be allowed to play golf. You can go up to Oak Park and see the crowds running around. There are so many cars in it, you cannot even get parking. Then you drive down by the golf club and there's not a sinner in acres of ground, he reasons. Carlo is included in the top ten of parkland courses in the country. There are some outstanding holes in the Deer Park course. A downhill putt on the fourth green, no matter how short, is not for the faint-hearted. There might be no water or bunkers on the seventh, but it is not the men's index one without good reason. The views from the eighth and the sixteenth tee box are stunning. As for the short seventeenth with the high index, it has ruined many a potentially good card. Kerwin is looking forward to seeing the members coming back. While things were quiet, the club has taken the opportunity to do essential and non-essential maintenance. There is a huge amount of work going on the course at the moment. It has given us a huge opportunity to do a lot of jobs, such as working on tee boxes and greens. Now that it is done, it won't be impacting on players when they come back, he says. On the other hand, the lockdown has caused financial problems for sport. Carlo Golf Club is no exception. Luckily enough, over 80% of our membership has been paid already. I have no doubt that when the club opens up, the remainder will pay. In fairness, why would you pay when you cannot play golf, says the Carlo captain, who is also a member of the well-known Dolman Golf Society. Societies such as these are always welcome in Carlo. We are still trying to balance the books and work on finance. We are looking to see when we will be able to take back societies. Green fees are down. 25 to 30% of income comes from visiting societies and green fees. That has to be got back somehow and we will have only a few months to do it. When golf does resume in Carlo, play will be confined to groups of two using the two Deer Park Nines and the Oak Park Nine a bit like before the last lockdown. It was set up well the last time and I am looking forward to getting back. There will be a huge demand. It will be non-competitive for a few weeks at least, predicted Kerwin, who stated the club also hopes to open the restaurant facilities. We have great outdoor facilities for dining. We are going to utilise that the best we can. In the meantime, golf addicts are getting their fix on television. Yet again, the Masters delivered drama, heartbreak, but a wonderful Japanese double. Last week, 17-year-old Tsubasa Kajitani of Japan defeated Emilia Miliaccio 
on the first hole of a sudden death playoff to win the second Augusta National Women's Amateur. On Sunday, Hideki Matsuyama may have been hanging on at the end, but he was a deserving winner by one shot. The Japanese golfer was six ahead, with seven to play, but Xander Schauffele birdied four holes on the trot to put the pressure on. Key for Matsuyama was the way he coped when he overclubbed on the 15th hole and found the water behind the green. A potential disaster was avoided when he took his punishment, didn't look for a miracle, and settled for a bogey six. When Schauffele carded a triple bogey six on the short 16th, his day was done. Two birdies in the final four holes from the relatively unknown Will Zalatoris ensured the eventual winner could afford to drop only one shot in his final two holes if he was to don a famous green jacket. This he did, and a bit like Tiger Woods two years ago, it was a case of have two, take two before winning by one. Interestingly, Matsuyama was the leading amateur at the Augusta Masters in 2011 when he took 27th place behind the winner, Charles Schwarzel, who made the cut this year and finished in joint 26th place himself. Shane Lowry carried Irish hopes into the last day. Level par over the four rounds suggests consistency, but that is not enough to win the Masters. He was also two shots outside an automatic invite for a return visit next year. Now he will have to ensure he stays inside the world's top 50 if he is to play in Augusta in 2022. That is all in the future. For now, the ordinary club golfer's return day is Monday week. It won't be long now. Amen for that. Carlo Kilkenny still awaiting return to training. Article by Harry Shorthose. With the government's announcement last week that underage sports can return to training pods of 15 from the 26th of April, there were high hopes that local underage League of Ireland side, Carlo Kilkenny, would be gearing themselves up for a return. However, club chairman Peter Harvey says that they still have received no official word from the FAI. We know nothing about it yet. We haven't heard anything from the FAI to tell us whether we're going back on the 26th or on the 19th as elite. We just don't know. We're still waiting to hear. Yeah, it is frustrating, but what can you do? I'm sure there's conversations going on in the background trying to get us as elite like we were last season, and I'd say that's why they haven't made the announcement yet. We're working on the premise that we won't be back until the 26th. But we also don't know what's happening about the under-19 girls. The guidelines talk about under-18s being let back on the 26th, so we don't know whether they can go back on the 26th too or not. It's a grey area. It all depends on whether they get classified as elite sport. I've sent a message to Mark Scanlon in the League of Ireland and not gotten anything back, so he probably doesn't know yet either. However, he says they are not letting that stop them from getting pre-season preparations underway. We're planning for the 26th, but if we can get back on the 19th, that's just a bonus. The training venues will be ready to take us because they're not doing anything else. They don't have an issue. They're just waiting for me to give them the go-ahead. I just have to go in and do a COVID assessment before to make sure they're up to scratch. We have things going on all the time though with Zoom to make them feel part of the squad 
and feel like they are fully integrated because we have a lot of new players who haven't played National League before and haven't had to do a lot of what they're doing. It'll be great for them to get out again. It gives them something to do, shows them light at the end of the tunnel. It'll be great for their mental health. We're hoping for an early June start to the season, so we'll have six weeks of a pre-season. Linda Kenny takes over as Leinster Camogie Chairperson. Article by Kieran Murphy. Linda Kenny is the new chairperson of Leinster Camogie. The outgoing chairperson, Hilda Breslin from Athai, who was elected president of the Camogie Association at national level, formally went to Carlo on Sunday to present Linda with the Leinster pin badge. Yesterday, Linda was ratified at the Leinster AGM, which was held online. Both ladies are from what could be described as non-traditional Camogie counties, but in recent years have made huge strides in club and inter-county development. Hilda says that in Linda, the province is lucky to have a hard-working and fiercely motivated officer in charge. Linda was a brilliant secretary and now she is taking over as Leinster chairman. It is a huge honour for her. She is a powerhouse. It is a great honour for her, but beyond the honour, the hard work is what makes the difference in these positions. It is lovely to present cups and have the celebrations, but if you are not out putting in the work on the ground, those celebrations don't come, she said. The Camogie National Congress, which was held on Saturday, voted for six rule changes in Camogie, which now includes minimal contact between players, while the hand-pass goal is gone. There is also a recognition of the dual player within the organisation and the Camogie Association is hoping to work with the Ladies Gaelic Football Association for the benefit of both organisations. While there are going to be a lot of challenges, particularly with the pandemic, it will be interesting to see how the new playing rules will bring the game. We need to support the dual player. There are quite a few of them in the county, agreed Linda, who still cannot quite believe the journey she has been on in the last 11 years. It is a bit surreal, the whole thing. I was not involved with Camogie in 2009, and now I am Leinster chairperson 12 years later. On a personal level, it will probably stand up there in Croke Park when Carlo won the All-Ireland. Very proud to be the first Carlo person to be put in the position. I got huge support from Carlo people and from people in Leinster. I'm looking forward to doing them justice. GAA Releases Fixtures Plan, article by Kieran Murphy. Last week, the GAA released their Master Fixtures Plan for 2021, while details of the actual fixtures were due to be released yesterday, Monday. Their inter-county season will run from the 8th, 9th of May, with the start of the National Hurling League running up to the 28th, 29th of August, when the All-Ireland Football Final will be played. The Provincial Hurling and Football Championships will commence on the last weekend in June. County and Provincial Club Championships will be played in the final four months of the year. The Football League is split into eight groups of four, with three round-robin games based on regional geography. For example, Carlo were drawn with London, Wexford and Waterford, but it looks as if they will only have two games, as London will not be allowed to travel. The northern half of Division 4 includes Louth, Leitrim, Sligo and Antrim. 
the top two advanced to semi-finals, followed by a final, with the bottom two in each group playing relegation playoffs. In the league there will be no Division 1 hurling quarterfinals, semi-finals or final played. Division 2 and 3 will not have league finals either. The top team in each group will be crowned league winners and the bottom team in Division 2A, 2B and 3A will be relegated. The Senior Football Championship will be straight knockout. There will be no qualifiers. In the Liam McCarthy, there will be a provincial knockout championship with backdoor qualifiers, as there was in 2020, but there is relegation to the Joe McDonough. Competing counties in Munster are Limerick, Waterford, Tipperary, Clare and Cork. In Leinster, Kilkenny, Galway, Wexford, Dublin, Leash and Antrim play a provincial championship. The six teams in the Joe McDonough, Kerry, Westmeath, Meath, Carlow, Kildare and Down will be split into two groups in a round-robin competition with each team playing one home and one away game. The final will be broadcast live on the 17th of July, the same day as the Leinster final. The Joe McDonough winners get promoted to the Liam McCarthy next year. Details and dates for the minor and under-20 hurling and football championships have still to be released. Meanwhile, the LGFA released their league fixtures on Monday. Carlo will play Offaly at home on the weekend of the 23rd of May and then travel to Limerick on the June bank holiday weekend. Carlo Housemates Dominate Aintree Grand National Article by Ger McNally Jumping the second last fence at the Aintree Grand National, the unthinkable looked like it could happen. Two Carlow housemates were at the front of the most famous horse race in the world and looked like they would battle it out right to the line. That didn't quite happen, but one of those housemates did go on to record a famous win while the other had to settle for fourth place. Of course, we are not talking about any ordinary housemates. We're talking about Rachel Blackmore, perhaps Ireland's biggest sports star right now, after her heroics at Cheltenham and Aintree over the last few weeks, and Patrick Mullins. Blackmore was already riding the crest of a wave after finishing as champion jockey at the Cheltenham Festival, but she landed a win that transcends her sport on Saturday when she became the first female jockey to win the race in the 174th running of the event. Blackmore won on Manila Times for trainer Henry de Bromhead, who also had the second-placed horse, a 100-to-1 shot, Balco des Floss. I'm so lucky to be riding these horses for Henry. This is so massive. I had such a beautiful passage around, said Blackmore after the race. Manella Times jumped fantastically and didn't miss a beat anywhere. I couldn't believe it. Jumping the second last, I don't know, it's just incredible. When I hit the rail and I heard I was four lengths in front, I knew he was going to gallop to the line. But we all know what can happen on the run in here. When I crossed the line, I don't know how I felt. It's incredible. She went on to say, It's unbelievable, it's just incredible. I just got such an unbelievable passage through the race. Manella Times just jumped fantastic and brought me from fence to fence. I just travelled and jumped everywhere. I wish I could give you a better rundown of what happened. I got a beautiful passage everywhere. He travelled really well and jumped really well. I thought jumping two out I was trying to hold on to a bit as it is a long way home. He was just unbelievable, 
I'm riding all these horses for Henry de Bromhead, who had a one-two there. I am so privileged to be getting on these horses. A massive thanks to J.P. McManus as well. He is an extremely special horse. Ruby Walsh and Katie Walsh, I've asked them both in the past about riding around here, and they often talk about a semicircle in front of you, and I felt like I had that everywhere. That is what you need in a race like this. You need so much luck to get around with no one else interfering first of all. You need so much to go right, and things went right for me today. I feel incredibly lucky. It's unbelievable. I'm just so thrilled, said the record-breaking jockey. Fourth-placed Mullins, who rode Burroughs Saint, said his horse gave him a great ride, but just ran out of steam. I had a fantastic spin, and he did everything right. We got a lovely position, and he jumped fantastic. I was chatting to Rachel going past the stands with a circuit to go, and we were both very happy with where we were. We were side by side all the way, and I was trying to get onto her boot and get a lead off her, but from the second last I just couldn't go with her. He got very tired and maybe he didn't stay, but it was nearly the perfect ride. Incredibly, the third of the trio of jockeys who lived together in Lachlan Bridge also finished the race. Brian Hayes finished in 15th place on Class Conti. Only 15 of the 40 horses who started completed the race. Class Conti jumped great, travelled okay early on, but just didn't get home, said Hayes.